0: Alright, so it still like, blows my mind that in the last like few years, you know, left, left my state, and when I left my state, marijuana was illegal. Like, you couldn't get it from anyone except some sketchy person that one of your friends knew who wanted to meet you at the middle of this, you know, parking lot near the airport. You could buy a little baggie off of him for 40 bucks and now as everything's being shut down it's like well the weed stores have been declared necessary businesses and they'll deliver to your house so you can just call them and they'll just show up and they'll bring you weed like a a sexy fucking milkman (laughs) shit has changed um dramatically in such a short time span yeah
1: This is, uh, you know, this is the first episode of our podcast, The Long Road, uh, and I'm Sasha. I'm Trevor. And this is the second time we're recording this episode because so much shit has changed. <laughs> so much shit has changed in a <laughs> week. Oh my God. Um, the yeah. initial
0: idea behind this was to discuss, you know, what uh, society's reaction to the uh, COVID-19, the novel coronavirus or as some racists in our government insist on calling it, the Kung Flu. Um, Shit, what? Oh, no, no, they said that to a reporter, an Asian-American reporter's face. Yeah, no, it's... Um... Oh, God. <laughs> I thought...
1: <laughs> I, I mean, well, <laughs> I know I'm going to be hating these fuckers more at the end of this than I did at the start, so...
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a long road, maybe the one road. <sighs> All right.
1: Yeah, so I so right now uh, we're looking at about forty million people, uh, or uh, forty million potentially up to eighty million uh, very soon, people um, who will not be going to their workplaces, um, yep. and that and that is half of the workforce, by the way. Yeah. Um, Some of whom are unemployed, and some of whom
0: are having to deal with them just getting zero hours, so they're not technically unemployed.
1: Yeah. So even then, they are in some states they are technically employed if they're getting zero hours, depending on different rules. Um, But depending on what state you are, uh, sometimes as few as only twenty percent of people who are unemployed actually are eligible for unemployment benefits. So. Uh, and frequently those are the people who have the most stable employment before they get uh, let go. So people who have unstable employment with zero-hour contracts and, uh, and who are not salaried uh, are far less likely to be eligible for unemployment benefits uh, because of how the fucking laws are written. Um, so we're, we're looking at already massive un- unemployment has started um, in a lot of states uh, the unemployment websites where uh, applications go through have shut down because of the amount of traffic. Oh God, um, people are accidentally
0: DDoSing um, unemployment websites. That's nice.
1: Yeah, uh, so that that's going on. So the numbers off the top of my head, so I, in Colorado, uh, the state uh, normally, uh, b- before the coronavirus hit and before this market started crashing, uh mm-hmm. They were processing about 400 applications a week, um, and that has increased by I think more than a thousand percent in Colorado. Yeah, that didn't um, surprise me in the least. Yeah, uh, the websites and a number of other states uh, shut down, and uh, also people have ha- have been waiting on the phone lines uh, to the unemployment offices. Uh, for multiple hours some people reporting that they have had to wait on the phone lines uh, overnight um, and still and still not been you know only to find that they've been denied their application for unemployment benefits um, this is all in addition to the general uh, bullshittery that employers engage in uh, yeah. so a very good friend of mine is uh, he, he's probably going to lose his job this week Uh, And his employer is already indicating that uh, they're going to try to make it look like uh, he was fired for misconduct, even though they've also clearly said that it's about finances. So uh, all of that drags it out and it makes it a lot harder for employees. Um, And there is a huge benefit to employers to doing this, which is that they will be cutting costs by making sure that their unemployment insurance payments uh, don't go up as a result of laying tons of people off. So, you have all that complication going on. Uh, You also have, uh, there's some municipalities now in the United States where the hospitals are running out of supplies. Uh, Ventilators are in extremely short supply in some places. There's a hospital in uh, Louisiana. Um, I don't know which one because doctors are trying to talk about it, but they're not telling, they're not giving, they're not identifying the hospitals because they're afraid of repercussions from their employers. Yeah. Um, in this hospital, uh, you know, the article I read, it's a pro article describes how, uh, how COVID-19 actually kills people. And, you know, it's pneumonia, right? Which is mm-hmm. putting fluid in lungs. Uh, but then it's, despite that, despite being on ventilators with a 90% oxygen, yep. um, people are essentially still drowning in their own fluids. And like, one this of the other nasty. problems with
0: that is that um, because of where the actual binding site is, we're still not sure if it is causing like neurological effects. Um, yeah. One of the highest comorbidities with it is folks with hypertension, um, hmm. which is a little worrying for me because uh, I've got high blood pressure. I am a stress-filled individual who drinks way too much caffeine. So my blood pressure is always a little high, not enough to worry about normally. But, yeah. I mean, it's got higher comorbidity than uh, diabetes, than uh, underlying heart disease. Um, it really is like, yeah, you got high blood pressure. Be aware of that.
1: Well, um, that's an excellent recipe for America.
0: I know. Um, I mean, that combination, those are the three high ones, as you know, like diabetes, heart problems, and um, high blood pressure are the three higher, highest comorbidity um, indicators for this virus. Uh, what, what about
1: lung disease? Because I know a lot, like, I have asthma, and a lot of people I know have asthma.
0: Yeah, um, and honestly, I'm not 100% sure how lung disease affects it. I know that it is a um, a concern with folks who've had, you know, or uh, chronic smokers. That's one of the th- uh, theories right. of why it's had such a higher death rate in uh, China and in Italy, is that they do never really had as much of, like, a uh, anti-smoking program as the U.S. did. And so a lot of folks there just still smoke a lot. And um, I had a thought uh, recently, which, so remember this last year, there was a lot of folks with uh, younger folks who were dying pretty mysteriously from using vape pens. Yeah. Um, And kind of one of the theories behind that is that these uh, either like, homemade THC extractions that were being used in these pens or um, some of the imported stuff that wasn't properly regulated was actually really, or or the custom rigs people had like, you know, the custom yeah. really hot rigs that had a ton of smoke were actually burning out parts of people's lungs and making it harder for them to breathe normally. And it ended up being this pretty catastrophic lung failure. Shit. And I remember it was a big deal back, I think like falls and folks were talking about it and yeah, um, it was a big question of, like, wh- why is everybody still vaping? Like, we don't know what's causing this. People are just dropping dead. Like, you just need to stop vaping. Um, and that never really was fixed. And I do worry that, especially in, like, the U.S., where there have a lot of folks here who vape, that there's also going to be these underlying health issues that are going to affect the younger population a lot more than we've seen in other places. And I don't know what the vape yeah, rates are like possible. in China or Italy
1: or, you know. I mean... I I imagine they're lower, given the presence of cigarettes and smoking, uh. But you know we we can't be sure of that. Yeah, that is concerning. Yeah, I just haven't talked um, about I, it
0: anywhere, which is.
1: I will say though that reading that ProPublica article, they were saying, the doctor referred to people in their forties and fifties as young. Yeah. Um. Which, uh for for people who are infected and dying from covid19 that makes sense as a descriptor but if the if the basis for you know dying young to this disease is that you're in your 40s and 50s um then it probably means that if you're in your 20s and 30s that your likelihood of dying from this is is extremely low but again the real concern with you know with young people uh is that we can spread it yeah, because um, and, folks in this
0: country aren't taking it seriously, which I think is, like, well, the big thing we, we are now. last week. Well, maybe, with, you know, like, the uh, California shutting down and, you know, basically yeah. instituting a real curfew. Yeah. And um, the – it got a lot of, you know, uh, uh, anxiety up online of, like, oh, my God, like, this is such a huge step. And it's like, well, it's a huge step, but at the same time, it really is just a, like – not really official order of like, really people stay home. Don't go out.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's spring break right now. And there's yeah. a bunch of young people who are just ignoring that and just going to yeah. party on the beaches. Um, I know like yeah. in Florida right now, one of their solutions, they're just shutting down all parking near the beaches. <laughs> people won't stop going to the beaches. They can't really shut down the beaches. And it's like, well, but we can make sure it's harder for people to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: which i actually well, curious
0: how like the um, public trust stuff works with shutting down beaches in an emergency.
1: I mean, there are a whole lot of things that come up as an issue with shutting things down in an emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at you look at some of these uh, states. I, I know that the uh, the Oregon one said that uh, it essentially banned uh, like religious spiritual meetings of more than 250 people. That shuts down the mega churches. Yeah. Like, and
0: they're still going as far as I know. I mean, a lot of places I know are still like, well, you know, I mean, I, especially I've seen stuff up from the south and stuff like that, but like, yeah, it's still going to churches, still you know doing these
1: Yeah. And so so like that's a that is a, you know, think what you will about religion and then we and we both have a lot of thoughts about that. But I have some uh, thoughts and some opinions. <laughs> and some but that is that is a clear infringement of First Amendment rights. Um but it may be an excusable infringement, legally speaking, because yeah. this is so serious. Oh yeah, um, and you know, and that's some really dangerous thinking. Like it, it is true that this is so serious, and that churches are really the last people you want people to go because it's a bunch of old people all in one place. Yeah, um, and touching the
0: same books,
1: all touching the same books, the same
0: door handles,
1: praying to the same. Um, but <laughs> You know, so so like, that's a very real concern, um, and, and I think, and I think it's a very reasonable justification for doing these sorts of things for limiting uh, these liberties. However, um, we have to be really careful with that kind of reasoning. Uh, one of the things that has deeply scared me in the last day. Uh, was that the Department of Justice, the federal Department of Justice, uh, made a request to Congress to uh, suspend habeas corpus? Yeah. So, for you know, for those of you who you don't know what habeas corpus is, habeas corpus is essentially the rule in the U.S. that says that uh, when you get arrested, um, you have to be told why you're arrested. You can't be held for more than depending on whether it's a weekend or not for more than two days before seeing a judge. Um, And it's also some of the rules that have to do with speedy trial. Uh, So indefinite detention is in very limited circumstances. Um, it, indefinite detention is not allowed in the United States, except for very limited circumstances. So yeah. I mean, a lot uh, of those but, are
0: still pretty recent stuff too, like the uh, Patriot Act stuff where we should, you know, approved. Uh...
1: Yeah. Um, and, and also uh, contempt of court, um, can, is indefinite. Uh, so the, this request that the DOJ, uh, submitted, um, would be applicable to quote any statutes or rules of procedure otherwise affecting pre-arrest, post-arrest, pre-trial trial and post-trial procedures in criminal and juvenile proceedings and all civil processes and proceedings this is incredible
0: scares the hell out of me because that literally pre-arrest
1: like,
0: yeah you, you arrest is what
1: really scares me
0: You can be picked up taken to the jail and held there indefinitely until the crisis is over maybe
1: well. And what crisis? Because because it's all based on a declaration of a state of emergency. You know how many states of emergencies we're currently under, legally speaking? Dozens. So, uh, you know, there's some that have been ongoing for years uh, as declarations. Uh, so we have this Department of Justice that is now making, you know, trying to make the final step toward establishing dictatorship. Because that's what this is: the ability to. Indefinitely detain people and mm-hmm. give no reasons, no justifications, no jury trials, mm-hmm. you know, not having to bring them in front of judges. Um, that is like, that is a foundational aspect of dictatorship. Yeah. Um,
0: and the thing is, it's, it's one of those things that like folks on the left have for a long time been saying this is a horrifying power we have under like the actual Patriot Act and stuff like that, where it's like the ability yeah. just to just detain people without habeas corpus is horrifying. Yes, and the expansion of that to not just this—I mean, pretty nebulous idea of terrorist or terrorist um, aider or better, right? Is, well, no, actually, we're going to apply it to everybody. So you know, hey, your plates are expired.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, uh, you know, we're going to arrest you, bring you to jail, and we don't have to—we don't have to indict you. We don't have to bring you in front of a judge for the judge to decide whether you get to be bailed out or not. That's it. The only people who did determine who determine whether you are imprisoned without knowing when you're gonna get out are police. Yep. Um which fuck that. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Well and
0: it won't pass the house. That's the one no. kind of positive For now. side of that. For now,
1: For now, but this is this is one of the really serious and disturbing things about being in a pandemic. Right? So Congress is made up of a lot of old people, right? Um, and so they're already at higher risk. The actual people who are in Congress are at higher risk uh, for dying from this virus. They're also at much higher risk of getting this virus because they're fucking shaking hands all the time. They're around. Well, I mean, we've tons seen of people. so
0: many folks who are at CPAC who are now all testing positive. I yeah. just saw today Rand Paul's on the list now. <laughs> Grandpa officially had COVID.
1: All right. <clears throat> I well, I shouldn't sound
0: so happy when I say that, but he also gave a pretty rousing speech this last week about how we need to not provide people health benefit, uh, housing benefits.
1: No, so. I think it's okay to root for some fuckers getting this. <laughs> I, I don't
0: feel too sympathetic. I guess.
1: I I don't feel sympathetic at all. Like, I uh, you know these these are people who have actively harmed and caused the deaths of thousands. of
0: i mean can we talk about those four senators who were appraised of how bad the situation was and (laughs) lied to the american people about it while telling all their rich friends you need to start Mm -hmm. selling off your stock and then selling off their own stock which is um
1: i think uh, it was burr and feinstein was one of them which is unsurprising because she's fucking terrible but wow do do these people not understand that like there's only so much a shredder can do? <laughs> they, there's <laughs> you're they, gonna they, get they, caught.
0: It's, it's a direct <laughs> violation of the Stock Act. Like you can't do this. It's illegal.
1: Yeah, it's war profiteering
0: like, at the very least.
1: There are so well, many other ways to manipulate. Least, but... Yeah, it's insider trading. There are so many other ways to like legally cheat the stock market like, like, you know, with like short, you know, with short sales. Uh, so tons of, you know, uh, lots of people have making, I think they were making more than $300 billion in the last couple of weeks doing short sales. Um, and that's in addition to a bunch of other financial stuff that I don't understand like options and Mm futures. So, um, rich people have been making a ton of money off of this disaster. Uh, yeah. which which is unsurprising because they're always the people who benefit from you know benefit from economic disasters while well. the rest of us end up paying the costs. Um, so I yeah, it's okay to wish death on terrible fucking people who have objectively caused more you know more anguish, cruelty, and maybe not wish life.
0: wish death on them, but there's no reason to feel sad about them getting sick.
1: Uh, we can do both. <laughs> we can do both, um, but that brings up another issue uh, that that has scared me. Is you know we know that these we know that politicians are included in in being susceptible to this disease yeah. uh, that is unusually deadly, um, and that raises another question about the continuity of government. And I'm right. not the one raising this question; the federal government is raising this question. So. Uh we know that like Trump and Pence have both come into contact with the virus um, and you know are they say they don't have it and that they're being tested. You can't trust a damn thing that comes out of their mouths though, so maybe they have it, maybe they don't. Um, well, and
0: usually in a situation like this, you wouldn't see the two of them in the same like state, and right now you see them in the same room a lot,
1: yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be the first time that the Trump White House has ignored security procedures for stuff like that. So again, it is hard to tell. Uh, what we do know, though, is that uh, the Secretary of Defense uh, is not basically not allowed in the same room as the Deputy uh, Secretary of Defense. Uh, this is part of what are called continuity of government plans, uh, and you know this was reported on very recently by Rolling Stone. Um, so, continuity of government plans started in the 1950s as a as a response to the uh, to the realization that the military and political leaders had that uh, nuclear war is devastating. A big surprise, but they figured it out and yeah. said, "Okay, well, if Washington DC were struck with a nuclear weapon and it killed, you know, most of the government." Um, maybe a good reason not to centralize your government. Um, we're going, we're going to need an emergency plan to continue on the government of the United States. Um, well, and actually,
0: like, the first time it was actually implemented or actually activated for the first time in this country was September 11th.
1: Yeah. That so, was how the they actually
0: implemented like, okay, we actually have plans in place to separate all the government out to secure locations so that you can't, So there
1: there are different levels of preparation. So the continuity of government plans are actually, um, they are activated uh, on a yearly basis usually, but only at the lowest level for the State of the Union. Um, and then also for inaugurations of a president, uh, because state of the union, you've got all of Congress, the president, the vice president, because, because he's the president of the Senate and the entire, uh, Supreme court, they're all there for the state of the union. So that's usually, you know, when people have heard, okay, the secretary of agriculture is going to get left behind in the Oval Office and, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's different secretaries at different times. Uh, but uh, so that's those are like the very like early stages of a continuity of government plan that that happens every year because of the State of the Union and it happens every four years uh, because of inauguration. So uh, you know that's the very basic level. The next yeah. level after that is when the u s military uh, gets told to start preparing to immediately, uh, transport and devolve the government into essentially regional military uh, units, uh, yeah. governance units. So we don't know what all of the plans are, right? They're secret. So 9-11 was uh, the first time that it got to that stage. Um, but even then, the military did this whole like uh, process after that, realizing, okay, we weren't actually prepared for that. You know, yeah. we were prepared for a nuclear strike. You know, we were prepared for fighting the Soviet Union. We were not prepared for a terrorist attack, uh, where 3000 people died. Um, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but it wasn't like an attack on the entire country. You didn't have bombs going off in every city, but no. that, you know, at that time though, people thought that that was a possibility. They didn't know, um, so after nine eleven, the military uh, and Congress started to put together new. And, and when we say Congress, we only mean the leadership of Congress. Uh, regular members of Congress are not actually involved in deciding what the continuity yeah. of government plans are, which should scare everybody. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, that that always freaked me out. That that you have like the security and intelligence committees that they get to know the secret stuff, but not everyone in Congress does. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. You call yourselves a fucking democracy, okay? Um, <laughs> so, right now, those preparations have been activated again. So what that means is that uh, a particular like a particular group in the U.S. military uh, that's always active, um, it's always on like emergency at active setting I, I i don't know the specific terms for it uh you know they there you know there are other groups that are now being activated preparing to potentially uh devolve the federal government if uh you know if say a lot of members of congress and the president and the vice president and the speaker of the house uh and lots of secretaries uh were to die from the coronavirus or um yeah. The other way, the other major reason for a response to this that that the military is talking about uh, is riots over food. Yeah. Um, Which yeah.
0: We're, we're, that's still like the one of the things I really want to always stress on this is that we're seeing people panic buying stuff right now because we yeah. don't have a good idea of how to handle ourselves in a crisis like this. And the only solution most people know is just go buy things. Yeah. That's why we're seeing people hoard up things that they don't really need. They're buying a bunch of uh, pre-made frozen foods and packaged foods and uh, a bunch of toilet paper. And 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 people don't know how to cook.
1: So that's, that's the other thing.
0: That's not a big part of it. And uh, I know, like, right now, I'm seeing in, like, my state that there's a lot of folks who are shutting down, like, uh, the businesses have shut down, non-necessary businesses have shut down. Right. And that does affect a lot of restaurants. And so a lot of restaurants have moved to uh, either curbside pickup or delivery options. Right. And um, businesses are kind of making do, but they're all struggling. Food yep. supply lines are not stopping. Food production is not stopping. Right. The stores still have produce. They still have meat. That's not going to go away. Yeah. And the yeah. idea of having I, food riots at this point is a little ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. Um,
1: and we, we the, don't we don't have a supply problem. This is no. not a supply problem.
0: No. And I mean, the uh, disturbing thought I had earlier this week is that uh, when I saw an article talking about how there were, um, I believe it was New York. Uh, prison detainees working on making masks. Um, And the idea then is like, well, if we're going to start using prison labor to do some sort of relief programs, at what point are we going to start really talking about using prison labor to send folks out into the fields? And that's why the 13th Amendment is written the way it is, is because, hey, if we need to have some forced labor, got a lot of bodies in prison. Highest rate of any country.
1: Highest rate of any country, and uh, for for those who don't know, uh, the Thirteenth Amendment is the amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which mostly deban- which mostly banned slavery. Um, it, be- it banned chattel slavery. And it has uh, a
0: caveat in it, which is um, that involuntary servitude is still allowed for those who have been convicted as of crimes as punishment for the crimes.
1: So slavery is still legal in the United States. Uh, so long as you've been convicted of a crime and it's your punishment.
0: Yeah. Which is why Mike Bloomberg had prisoners making phone calls for his campaign.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's why, and it's why chain gangs existed uh, throughout the 20th century, despite the fact that slavery was over. Um so, in in the wake of the Civil War and with the passage of the Thirteenth Amendment and the ending of slavery of chattel slavery, um, because wage slavery continued, uh, and well, and the and the in the domestic slavery of women largely uh, continued, um, you know, it was replaced by uh, by Jim Crow, right. And mm-hmm. Jim Crow was, you know, we, we learned a lot about Jim Crow in school, and, I, and if you go and do the research, you'll learn about a lot of the social rules uh, and, and laws that were put into place to, to, for segregation. But segregation was not the only part of Jim Crow. The Jim Crow system also involved mass incarceration. Yeah. Uh, and mass incarceration did not exist before the Civil War. Um and it started to exist after the Civil War, and so you would, and, and as you might imagine, as it does today, it was it targeted black men in particular, uh, and those black men were then uh, you know, held in prison and taken out in chain gangs to go and work in fucking cotton fields, among other places. So, yeah. uh, this is a long-standing practice of slavery uh, in the U.S. It, you know, we banned chattel slavery. But we, you know, it didn't get rid of slavery overall. No.
0: And so my thought has been that if you know there were some large disruption of uh, farming industry or supply chains, that it'd be really easy to see a pretty sharp transition into chain gangs again. Of just we're gonna take folks out of the prisons, we're gonna put them to work in the fields, and then you're gonna get your onions.
1: Yeah. Um. And we're we're gonna start feeling the reverberations of this uh like so so massive oh, unemployment. Is <laughs> well massive unemployment but here's another thing that uh you know that people aren't thinking about because we're in a panic and there's anxiety but the average age of farmers in america is over 65 yep again people who are most at risk most at risk for dying from this disease uh so you have a bunch of people who have this expertise who have access to the land to the materials and they are the people who provide you know who grow the fucking food for this country and uh they're also the ones who are most likely to get killed by this disease uh you know not to mention not to mention the fact that uh there's already a shortage of farmers um so so you have all this coming together so even even if uh, well not to not to mention the fact that the, the market is is crashing and farmer and that usually screws farmers over because farmers um in fact most of them actually operate at a loss yeah uh so so farmers are generally operating as farmers because they want to farm, not because it is making them money so uh they will fold so. What we're going to see as a result of coronavirus and the economic disaster that is unfolding in front of us right now is there will probably be a shortage uh, in food supplies. Not right now, but there probably will be uh, because farmers are going to fold. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, welcome to the end of the world.
0: <laughs> hey, 2020 is looking good.
1: Oh my God, and it's only it's only March. Um, yeah, and there's still a fucking election. So amidst is there, all this, are fucking, we sure
0: there's still election? Are we sure, are we still we're gonna sure we're gonna have an election?
1: Well, we're not sure. No, of course we're not sure. But uh, no, I I think the election will probably happen, but. Uh, yeah. All right,
0: so I, 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 it may be too uh, uh, time-based to be discussing in the the podcast, because who knows how much stuff's going to change in a week or so. But do you think Joe Biden's got the COVID? <laughs> he's he's been mysteriously absent since his last win i mean one he won on tuesday and he's not been in the media and so far all we've heard from his team is that they're redoing something at his house so he can record stuff but it's taken about a week for them to get recording equipment yeah uh, well the uh presumptive nominee of the democratic party it's it's because his
1: campaign is incompetent Joe Biden did not was not as successful as he was because of competence on any level. Uh, no, it, it was establishment Democrats putting their fingers, you know, their thumbs on the scales. So, uh, yeah, that like that he could have it. I mean, it's a real possibility. That would certainly, uh, <laughs> change man, that things. would certain, that would certainly change things. I think
0: um, <laughs> that would shake it up again. Not wishing death on anybody. But you kind of don't have to feel bad about it,
1: no, no, yeah, that would that would be interesting, and you know, we've got another few months of this that we're gonna have to deal with at least, so
0: boy, it's gonna be such a long year,
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 also, also, locusts are eating all of the food in Ethiopia, yeah, and Somalia, so I yeah. uh, you know, I've I've never read the Bible, but this is what I've heard the end times are like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um,
1: eschatology is starting to make a lot more sense. Hey man,
0: uh, imminentize the eschaton. Let's bring it on.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so it's scary times. I I, I think though I. One issue that comes from talking about all this, I I know that I I've struggled with a bit this a bit. I know that a lot of my friends have struggled a lot more with it. Uh, is being in some ways just petrified from the anxiety, yeah. uh, w- which I, I absolutely understand. Uh, you know, so so we're all coming at it to at different levels. You know, different levels of preparation and resources. Um, I was largely. I, I was I was more prepared for this hung, hunkering down for a while, for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which being my work. Uh, my employer was actually ha- ahead of the curve on this one, so I, uh, you know, went and got all my groceries earlier. But, uh, uh, you know, so what that's allowed me is more time to worry about the big picture and the big. Pi- and that's a terrible thing to worry about. Um, I mean, it's also terrible to have to fucking work. Work. It's way worse to have to worry about your fucking livelihood. Like, yeah, like so that you know, it's an absolute privilege to be able to look at it this way. But, uh, you know, I I think that, uh, while we're doing the stuff on the ground that we need to be doing, we also need to start, like in the back of our heads, thinking about the medium term and the long term for this, uh which is a huge thing to ask. I know that Um, because this is, this is taking up so much bandwidth, especially for activists and people on the ground who already uh, were struggling to handle everything they have to handle with shitty jobs and too many hours and being always tired and not having access to healthcare, you know, to have to respond on the ground to the immediate uh, effects of, uh, of the pandemic and of the economic fallout uh, to ask them to think about the medium and long-term is honestly too much. And I know that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the first thing to address though is that immediate thing uh, for people who uh, want to help others, but don't quite know how um, I highly suggest yeah. that you navigate to um And and we'll put a link on it uh, wherever we post this uh, to It's Going Down, um, which has a list of autonomous mutual aid networks. Uh, Yeah.
0: And um, even if you just want to, and I know that um, we're not at all a pro Facebook uh, podcast, but I did find a Facebook group that was local folks from my area arranging mutual aid programs and yeah. it, right now there's a lot of folks just messaging hey i have a you know i have a, a, a infant i need to find diapers where has diapers in stock right now and folks yeah. at stores being like i work at this store we will set aside a pack for you ask for me when you get here yeah and that level of just kind of like i mean peer to peer mutual aid is yeah. very successful and actually is incredibly helpful to a lot of people especially in the short run right now when folks yeah. are doing panic buying at supermarkets
1: yeah so if you're if you're a store worker and you can do that and you feel uh as secure as you can doing that, that's a wonderful idea. I, I yeah. hadn't even thought of that. Um, I had I just
0: seen it and I don't know. Yeah. Man, some of these folks probably are risking their job by doing this.
1: Yeah, um, which at the same time, right now is one of the when you're at working at a grocery store is now one of the times that's safest to risk your job because you can get fired. <laughs> well, well because because it's because like your skills and they are skills uh, are in such high demand. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about recognizing who's actually essential in this economy and that's all very true. Um, people who work at stores, at retail stores, at grocery stores are finally being recognized for no, essential no, no. workers. Those, those are that jobs they are.
0: for kids who are in high school and uh, who just need a little leg up so they can get into college and take on a whole bunch of student debt. That's all it's for. They deserve to make maybe maybe seven twenty-five an hour.
1: You make me want to kill you just saying that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, <laughs> yeah. And remember that a lot of the people. Um, you know, a lot of states have higher than the federal minimum wage, but uh, a significant portion of the states in this bullshit country uh, still have 7.25 as the minimum wage. So yep. you've got people who are at the highest risk for contracting the disease, um, and you know, and thereby spreading it to their families and their friends, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and who themselves may be immunocompromised, but have to take and keep those jobs because otherwise they can't pay for the rent and they can't pay for the utilities. So yeah. get involved with mutual aid if you can. Um, if you are immunocompromised or you're have, or you in the high-risk category because of a, a condition you have, um, you may still be able to help, but also understand what your limits are. Um, I know that I, I've signed up to go out and buy groceries for people uh, if I can. But I've also had to reconsider that knowing that I have asthma and realizing that uh, I could be more of a burden on the healthcare system if I go and put myself in more danger that way. So, uh, recognize your own limitations. Um, even if you do feel healthy and and ready to go right now, um, you know this disease really fucking kicks people down. Um, so, just just remember that you can still help out in other ways. If you have a vehicle, but you need to stay at home consider loaning your vehicle out to people so that they can go and buy groceries for others. So, uh, consider donating if you you have the money uh, to do it, uh, to provide groceries and uh, medications for people. Another thing that's being organized where I live uh, is uh, people being able to go out and get prescriptions uh, and bringing them back uh, to people who need them. Um, this is especially necessary for people who are in their 60s and 70s and struggling with a lot of health conditions, but who are also, again, most at risk. So um, that's one way to address it right in the here and now. Um, if you're somebody who really is great at, uh, at social media, I'm jealous of you. Uh, please get in touch and help spread the word for this kind of stuff. Because one of the major issues with these mutual aid uh, systems is that even though there are a lot of volunteers, people don't know where to go to make that request. So yeah. uh, there are a lot of aspects to it. Get involved with the m- mutual aid, uh, go to the It's Going Down webpage for it. It has a whole list of mutual aid groups all across the country, and they're adding to it every day. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, think about how, you know, the... Um... How much this has shown that a lot of the workers across this country who have been really Minimalized in the last um, century (laughs) uh, How vital they are to keep things just running Um, Prime example I think is like you know one of the custodians my work goes around every day and cleans all the doorknobs Yeah, and it's like yeah, that's a vital job right now.
1: Yeah, that is saving lives
0: it absolutely is.
1: Washing doorknobs is yeah. fucking saving lives.
0: And, you know, this guy is in his 70s, uh, You know, bigger guy, probably is not the person you want to have putting themselves at risk touching all these doorknobs. Yeah. But it's his job, so...
1: Yeah. And also the people most unlikely to get those unemployment benefits if they lose their jobs... Uh, And who under the like the current Congress's potential stimulus package, um, which is going
0: to be ridiculous, they're
1: trying to like Republicans are fucking and Nancy Pelosi should be fucking criticized for trying to block all this. But the Republicans want to means test those fucking checks that they're that they're going to potentially probably send out to people so that if you like didn't pay taxes in 2018 or it was below a certain amount, you're going to get half of the maximum of about twelve hundred dollars so uh the very people who are the poorest and need the most help are also the ones who this fucking fascist fucking party wants to give the smaller amount of money so
0: oh i mean to talk about the idea of that too of them being a fascist party because um one of the really scary notions right now is that there is this push for um uh war communism which um you see a lot in, a in way. When, yeah. when countries go to war, where it is they have, we're going to have the state step in and provide some basic programs for people, we're going to provide some kind of UBI or something like that, or mm-hmm. food rationing, uh, direct production, direct yeah. production, real communism, um, only for the crisis. And usually what that means is a massive consolidation of power in some sort of uh, party, which usually ends up being the, uh, the ruling party afterwards. Yeah, for a long time. And you see it a lot in, like, Soviet states post, like, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution, like Lenin, uh, Stalin, these kind of very hierarchical um, uh, communist parties, which is why a lot of critiques of communism from that era come from these specific parties, where it is this massive consolidation of power into a very strict hierarchical system of a small party of, like, elites who just run everything and have almost near-dictorial power controlling everything in the, the state yeah and
1: that happened in the u.s as well under roosevelt uh roosevelt oh, yeah, was no, immensely it, powerful yeah that's uh, why we
0: all actually have like the new deal yeah because that was you know saying hey we're at war we need to take care of our country and put stuff in so uh,
1: yeah well and the new deal was just was just the start you know the second world war brought on uh even more powers for for roosevelt at the time uh and there's some things that You know, that ultimately Roosevelt did that I I think are commendable, but I, yeah, very few. (laughs) Uh, Like, fighting the Nazis and and helping win the war against the Nazis, big deal. Like, that, you know, that shouldn't be criticized. But uh, But the scary thing
0: right now is seeing, like, the government currently doing this pivot from these uh, very austerity based politics that have been part of neoliberalism the whole way through. And having this shift toward economic populism where they're starting to say, well, yes, all these ideas are really popular and we need to put them in place right now. And even though we've been fighting against them for the entire time we've had any semblance of power, well, maybe now we should do it just to help people out. And when you have a very nationalist authoritarian party that starts adopting these sort of social um, economic policies, you get national socialism really quick. Yeah, and uh, that I think is the scariest thing: <laughs> having an actual, having an actual yeah. uh, fascist party that is not just fascist, but it's national socialism through a fascist lens, while we have a bunch of people in concentration camps.
1: Yeah, they are now purposefully trying to spread the disease too, uh, by uh, they're purposefully not testing people that they're detaining. Uh, to bring to the immigration detention centers, uh, so, that, uh, they don't ha- so that they don't have, so they don't have to report on uh, on the spread of coronavirus in these detention centers because they're okay with it. Yeah. Uh, the The immigration authorities in the U.S. have also suggested new limitations on uh aside on people seeking asylum and they wish to make it a rule that if you are uh diagnosed positive with coronavirus you can't claim asylum so this is evil shit uh oh, yeah
0: no like the, 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 the mask the, is the, off the, the, the mask is really the, ma- off the mask is thing. off
1: um and the concentration camps themselves uh you know we've known about them for years now right um mm. they they started I mean, they started a long time ago, but they, you know, they really hit high gear with Obama, and then Trump came in and made them that much worse. Uh, so, as a historical parallel, uh, I, I think a lot of people have this assumption that the Nazis uh, were incredibly genocidal and were like uh, gassing people the entire time, uh, which they experimented with it a, a number of times in the lead up, but. Uh, the full like Auschwitz style industrial genocide did not start until around 1944. So the Nazis were in power since 1933. You had 11 years of concentration camps existing uh, before the Nazis began their process of uh, like taking people out of the ghettos uh, and moving them from the ghettos and other concentration camps to go and be murdered uh in mass yeah. uh before that time however there were still tons and tons of people dying in the concentration camps and ghettos as a result typhoid. of typhoid, went typhoid. Through the camps wildly i mean that's the time
0: and frank died of yeah. typhoid in the concentration camps like, yeah that's something that was it's something that happened in almost any kind of massive prison population in colonial areas yeah. during the boer war the idea yeah. in a lot of these uh camps was just like well we don't care if we give them health care because they're not yeah. really people
1: yeah and they'll, you ju- see they'll that just now. die it's just
0: like yeah they'll just die because they're illegal they're not people they're illegals and we saw that when there were cases of flu going through there and i mean widely publicized videos of uh kids dying in their cells and we kind of just assumed, like, oh well, eventually Trump will be out of office and we'll fix all of this. And, yeah, that's, um, that's
1: not guaranteed anymore. Yep. It was never guaranteed, but, uh, you know, fucking liberals, pull your heads out of your asses. Shit's well, really that's the bad. thing; they're
0: still doing this austerity politics, where they're doing austerity economic policies, where they're talking about doing these means-tested tax rebates, that is a further right wing economic position than where yeah. the Republicans are going right now.
1: Yeah. And so we're really we have, opening up a yeah.
0: possibility. We're going to have folks on the right wing offering to implement some semblance of Bernie Sanders economic policies. Yeah. Well, and to make I, the people like them more, like, I Republicans see, I, know how to win an election. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, they like, do Democrats know. Democrats don't that. know how to
0: win an election though. Democrats just know how to basically maintain the status quo and that is it. That's all they know how to do. They do this yeah. neoliberalism. The markets will control everything, the markets will save everything. If there isn't a market, we'll make a fake market. And they've been yeah. doing that for so long, they don't know how to get out of this mindset of these austerity programs. Which is why they capitulate the Republicans I, on practically It's also
1: that it the Republicans it. are not even really providing for a lot of Bernie Sanders' program. I think it's incredibly indicative that the idea they they're kind of adopting is a really shitty version of the of universal basic income yeah which, yeah which just says a lot about fucking andrew yang like the idea that i mean people i, I, I want my yang a... bucks for a while and so uh, i'm like really excited
0: to get my yang bucks uh
1: andrew yang is one of the most insidious <laughs> political forces out there right now um, oh
0: no he's not insidious he's just a dumb tech bro that's, that's literally who he is. He's just kind of a dumb yeah. tech bro, who's kind of like, kind of wanted to play along with the system yeah, for a while. Yeah, and that's and mostly his
1: base. Going. But but I think yeah. it's insidious because, uh, you know, even his own plan said $1,000 a month, which, by the way, is not a lot for, you know, re- that wouldn't cover rent in most places these days. Um, oh, God, no. So, uh you know, at the expense of you're not allowed any other government benefits. So, like that was very insidious, uh, because he never talked about that part. Um, yeah, he just talked about the thousand dollars a month, uh, which, yeah, admittedly, yes, it would be nice to have an extra thousand dollars a month. That would be great. It would be, it could be helpful, so long as my rent didn't shoot up. Uh, w- you know, which is another issue. But, uh, you know, that's you know, but that's the Republicans' response, and I think that's very. Indicative of the way they're thinking about this, um, because they're still not going to put in place universal programs. They're still not going to do Medicare for all, which is the which is the necessary response. That's what we need right now. You need to be.
0: <laughs> no, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need universal health care. You need universal guaranteed health care for every single person in this country. Uh, you know, irrespective of who they are, where they come from. End of story that is the response you need to to this kind of threat which can hit anybody and where anybody can be a carrier and some people are going to be a lot better at carrying the disease than others uh, particularly young and relatively healthy people so uh you know the republicans wanting to do cash handouts uh like it's going to make them look good it's going to be a band-aid uh because that's all we ever get are band-aids um meanwhile uh the working class of this country has just sustained some fucking shotgun wounds and we're being you know and we're being offered band-aids like this is gonna get so much worse it is gonna get so much worse i i can't even imagine you know we're re-recording this fucking episode and hopefully posting it in, in less than a week but you know next week this is gonna be so it's gonna be so much worse and we're gonna not even be thinking about the stuff we're thinking about right now um yeah so it's it's really disconcerting i i think uh, it's absolutely causing a ton of anxiety for a lot of people i think getting out and doing the mutual aid is going to make you feel better as an individual um because it feels better to be doing something than than not and sitting around worrying Uh, i think for the medium term though We need to start uh, looking at our organizing around housing people and making sure that they are not going to get evicted. So a lot of places have uh, put in place moratoriums on evictions. They've not put in place moratoriums on rent. So that rent is going to come due in three months. And then if people can't pay it, they could still be evicted. Um, it's going to vary from town to town and state to state depending on what their limitations are but that is a very real threat so people may not be evicted in the coming months of this emergency but in the time that they have not been able to pay rent that's going to accrue and then they're still going to have to fucking pay it back right so you could be accruing $10,000 in in rent debt after losing your job so uh, that's going to be the next fucking medium term battle that's going to come it's already starting. Uh, there's uh, what I've read recently are some houses, people uh, occupied 12 houses in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. And I, uh, you know, it's a fucking solution. Uh, there are well, times. Mean, uh, uh,
0: some comparisons can be made with uh, the, the, economic impact we're seeing from just a week of shutdowns across the country and what the effect of a general strike would be. Yeah. And we're seeing that if I mean if if we had a sufficient number of people just take a week off of or take a month off of paying rent that it would have a real impact.
1: Yeah. Which is Um, why on April first there a rent strike is being organized. Yeah. Kind of.
0: We'll see if that actually goes through because while you, uh, a lot of places are putting eviction holds in place, a lot of folks are still really scared. That's like, well, yeah, but if I don't pay my rent as soon as this eviction hold is over, I'm just going to be evicted for not having paid my rent. Yeah. And there's not really protections being uh, set in place to help folks in that situation.
1: Yeah. Um, if you are unable to pay, I mean, it, that's going to make sense. Uh, if you are able to pay, I think it brings a lot more complicated questions, um, ranging yeah. from ranging from solidarity to your own security, uh, to uh, you know whether it will be effective or not. So, uh, yeah, and I I don't have any real coherent answer to that at the moment.
0: No, I don't think anyone does at this point. 'cause we're still. I mean, again, everything's still so in flux. We still don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah, um, we've seen a lot of folks talking about online, like, you know, seeing these uh, caravans of military vehicles. Um I'm posting today a bunch of actual like tanks in Oregon moving down a highway. And part of that is just National Guard mobilization because they are mobilizing National Guard in a lot of states. And it's I mean, it really is to provide relief programs. Um, that's really the main point of doing it right now. But it scares folks, because they see that, and they're like, oh my god, martial law is coming. And when you look at, you know, the idea of the, um, like, uh, continuity of government plans, and the idea of, you know, the actual military stepping in, and um, not just enforcing laws uh, as police, but actually dictating what the new laws are, and holding, you know, military courts and stuff like that, um, uh, I'd say that's, like, the purest application of, like, martial law, but you and I arguing about this earlier. Yeah. That you're saying like um, it's not... It, so, it goes beyond what martial law is.
1: Yeah, so the, the, the continuity of government plans, I think, go go beyond it. So, at least in my understanding, uh, you know, martial law is when the military is used to enforce law. Yeah. Um, and that is basically a no-go in the United States because of a principle we call Posse Comitatus. Um, There's the Posse Comitatus it, Act, which is yeah.
0: weirdly enforced. But
1: Weirdly enforced, and the National Guard is the way the governments have gotten around this uh, because uh, the National Guard is, like, they're, they're trained in the military. A lot, a lot of states' National Guards, uh, they won't even take people... Uh, who aren't veterans of the military, so you got a lot of people who are militarily trained uh, in, in national guards, uh, and the way they don't violate the Posse Comitatus Act uh, when they're enforcing the law, which they can be used to do, is because it's the state governors who are in charge of them. So yeah, it's when not federal they, government
0: stepping in, but
1: yeah. So when the federal government steps in and calls up the National Guard, it's usually to go and send them somewhere, you know, to another country to go and kill, you know, brown people. Uh, whereas when National Guard are enforcing the law, it's the state government using the National Guard to enforce the law. So it is still essentially military enforcement. I would argue it's a form of martial law, uh, but it's a form of state martial law. Uh and then you know, there's the federal version where they use the actual U.S. military, uh, which is not going on right now. Uh, there are obviously plans. There have been plans for decades for that potential and that potentiality. Uh, the difference is that with the con- with the uh, continuity of government plans that are now being, you know, set up for you know, prepared uh, that that would actually uh that has provisions for putting military commanders in to govern areas. so so you would have like uh, you know the generals in charge of a base or a colonel yeah. in charge of a base would then become the military governor of a certain defined region um, and that's a little different from, from the U.S. military being used to enforce the law, because that shifts over to the U.S. military making the law and enforcing yeah. it. Um, so that's all part of the contingency, you know, the the continuity of government plan. We have no idea what the likelihood is of that actually being activated. I think it's I think it's very low at this moment. I think that. Uh, martial law in the United States would be impossible to actually enforce um, be, just because like there are way too many people with way too many fucking guns in this country who would actually rebel against that
0: oh yeah yeah no I mean this is um, like the thing that all the militia folks have been waiting for since oh yeah you know, the 90s yeah.
1: Um, um, so, so like I I find that that happening to be very unlikely at this point um because even if they had the entire military and all the national guards and all of the police organized uh to enforce that that kind of law um it's it's not enough people to to effectively uh cover the entire population we live in a very large country with lots of rugged terrain uh and i mean the thing i think i was
0: talking about you know Um, actually doing a quarantine in the same way that, uh, or I guess not quarantine, but um, stay-at-home orders akin to what Italy is doing, where it is like, no, you are at home. You have to have your papers. You can go from your house to a supermarket, and you will stop by police on the way, and they will ask you for your papers, please, and you will show them that this is my address, this is my, like, this Mm -hmm. is where my house is, this is the closest supermarket. And they'll be like, okay, you're on the path to market and back. Go back home as soon as you're done. Yeah. you can't do that in the US no um, I mean no. from from my house I can plan out three different routes that will get me out in the hills in a matter of minutes without going through any major intersections
1: well you're fortunate <laughs> yeah
0: gotta love my desert states
1: um yeah uh yeah yeah it's a lot harder when you're in a city uh yeah <laughs> Yeah. So um, we're we're running up on our time here, I think. Uh, we are. Yeah, we're a little over time. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about. Um, I think we have a lot of interesting topics that we plan on talking about, uh, you know, so long as uh, we don't have an immediate po- apocalypse in the next few weeks. Uh, no, wait, let's have and...
0: one other thing really fast. Maybe we'll have to splice it in a different episode, but... uh um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the, uh, earthquake in, uh, Salt Lake yep. followed by, um, actually two kind of medium sized quakes out in Nevada, um, has got me thinking about the big cascade quake that we're all oh, waiting for, fucker. along with, oh boy, we have to talk about it. Maybe that'd be a fun future episode. Fun. Um. And along with you know the big quake that they're still expecting down in LA along with the big yeah. quake they're still expecting out in uh, Cascadia
1: subduction zone. Yeah. Well, and then there was also another three big quakes we're looking for. There was also and... a quake that happened in I think Croatia.
0: Croatia, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just yesterday. Um, yeah, the world is ending. They uh, huh. they uh, had an earthquake in Zagreb. There was also recently an earth. Yeah, I think you said Salt Lake City. An earthquake. Salt Lake City had a pretty big one. Um, um and they're pretty not actually
0: earthquake primed. Um, looks like yeah, there were a couple in Nevada right after yeah. that, which looks like did not cause much property damage. Um, um,
1: but yeah, you know, if we have the the big earthquakes, the subduction zone, and the other stuff, like oh, it's all fucking over. It's all yeah. fucking over. Yeah, they're no, countries won't exist anymore. So uh, get your get your uh, Mad Max on because uh, when the earthquake hits, I've, I've got my <laughs> bolt cutters set. I went through all my survival gear.
0: Got my gas mask. Got my bolt cutters.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, as we've learned from, from targeted our... ads
0: online, have only almost exclusively started selling me body armor. <laughs> <laughs> which is odd i haven't looked yeah. up anything like a- anybody or anything like that and all of a sudden all the online ads are like oh might man be interested you, in this you and need to like, a fucking oh, ad blockers
1: stop that shit but um all right so uh next episode we're going to talk about uh you know how the law can't save you uh and how it's not actually a very good response for almost any problem we'll probably talk more about this coronavirus uh, i mean how can we not uh but otherwise it's a it's a long road we don't quite know where we're going but we'll do it together right. thanks thanks bye